0: Alright let me go ahead and get this turned down What's going on everybody? It's your boy A-Double And you're now tuned in to episode 187 on the Undercover Cop and it don't stop. Now, I'm just playing. this episode 187 of Do Rags and Boat Shoes. Much love and respect for y'all for being uh, patient with my black ass. Because uh, y'all didn't get shit in the month of June. <laughs> y'all didn't get one goddamn episode. And here we are after July 4th. And y'all getting an episode, right? So I know y'all still eating them leftovers. You know, them black ass hot dogs. You know, some, some mac and cheese. Whatever, whatever. It is what it is. But shit, we here. We here. Y'all got an episode right now, so we in this motherfucker. Um, a lot been going on for me in the month of June. Uh, working on a few little side projects and things like that. Um, just uh, and practicing some different things and uh, mindfulness and shit like that. Uh, I took a vacation um, up to uh, Minneapolis. Minneapolis went up to uh, Minneapolis and then we went up to uh, Duluth where the um, uh, Lake Superior is. So uh, we, uh, my wedding anniversary and my wife's birthday is within like two days of each other, right? And so I always do, um, you know, normally you always do like a really fly gift, you know, combining them things together. Um, but this time it was just like why not use that money and just do a family vacation? You know what I'm saying? Just something quick and easy, um, where we could, you know, get back home at a decent time. And so we went was it Sunday through Thursday we came back? Thursday night we got back. So yeah, we uh spent a few days, a couple days up in uh Minneapolis. Uh we spent like all day at Mall of the Mer- Mall of America and uh it was wild being up at uh in uh minneapolis because we stayed in a hyatt uh right downtown and you know you know me i had to book through um good old um expedia so i got a nice nice deal on both the uh both the hotels but um we were right downtown at the um at the hyatt and uh yeah it was uh it was weird because we were there you know we got there sunday so you know downtown wasn't you know it wasn't popping or anything like that and we were right by the stadium and i was like okay so it's gonna be like hustling and bustling monday and tuesday monday it was a ghost town when we were out just walking about before we headed to ikea and to mall of america mall of america and then tuesday when we were taking off to head up to uh duluth because from omaha to uh, minneapolis is uh it's only five and a half hours it, it is a short short drive you pretty much head east to des moines and then once you get to des moines you uh head up on i-35 and you just take that the whole fucking way you know what i'm saying so it's like two hours two hours and some change to uh des moines and then it's like three hours a little bit over three hours up to um Minneapolis a very short short drive super short but Duluth is two hours north of Minneapolis and Duluth is beautiful that is a beautiful 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 town but um getting back to Minneapolis like I said it was just a ghost town it was so weird because we stopped at um the uh, Starbucks the wife um she needed some Starbucks you know to get her gears going in the morning and um it was just a ghost town. The whole, like, like they had that, like, the, uh, what is that? It's like a mono not a monorail, but kind of like a train system or whatever. Okay, It looked like a city bus, but it was on tracks or whatever, and wasn't a soul on there. I'm like, it ain't no fucking holiday. Like, when we went, it wasn't no fucking holiday at all. So, then we got to uh, Mall of America, and we spent all day there Monday, and we didn't buy... I don't think we bought shit like we got uh nini some clothes and um yeah we ate there and we just kind of what sucked was you know nina is only yeah excuse me uh, nina is only um you know 15 months so a year and some change so she really couldn't do anything at the um at the uh, nickelodeon um like uh um uh, park that they got there, or whatever the amusement park. So, everything was pretty much like three years up and up. So, she's watching all these uh, like kids, you know, these toddlers and these young kids get on these rides and stuff. And so, she's just like, you know, she's pointing and she's want to go. And it's just like, no, nah, we can't we just like you too short, too little. So, we just kind of watched everything. But, excuse me, um, but it was dope, it was dope. Um, but I thought I was gonna find some fire ass kicks like i was just like man i'm gonna find something you know excuse me at either one of these nike outlets or the nike the actual nike store in the uh, mall of america or uh finish line or something but i didn't find a goddamn thing in these fucking resellers that's all it is these fucking resellers be just going everywhere like i stopped at i don't know how many outlet malls near minneapolis but there's a lot i think there's three of them we stopped at two and then i stopped at the one in des moines just to see if i could find some fire kicks because that was the whole you know i was like man i'm gonna get me something nice too you know what i'm saying budgeted for that and shit like that but you know really i didn't find a goddamn thing like there's some beautiful stores there and some fly shit but nothing just really just reached out to me like Ugh, you know what i'm saying so it was one of those things where it's just like, you know, it's a great experience, you know, first family vacation and shit like that. But it was just like, huh. OK, whatever. So then we went to um, Duluth. Um, we went up there and the drive up to Duluth is just beautiful. Like uh, you got to get back on 35 North and um, the highway splits and. And you just have like these beautiful trees, just these big ass trees dividing North and South, right? And it is just gorgeous. Like it it looks like, like once you get to Duluth, cause we um, we stayed at a resort there uh, that was just off of Lake Superior, which was so fucking fly. Like literally you walk out through the back of the hotel or the resort type thing and the the lake right there lake superior is literally right there and um, when you first drive in it's just uh it just looks like a it it looks like a logging town or some shit like that like i can't really explain it um but it was just so beautiful like I would really like to go back in the fall, and that's what all of my co-workers were saying. They were just like, oh, you need to go in the fall, you know, to see those those leaves change and shit like that. And what was so wild is we went in June, uh, the beginning of June, and um, the... like just them that two hour north drive like it was it was pretty hot in Minnesota, in a minneapolis but you go that two hours north and you got that big ass lake you know one of the big the, the largest of the you know the, of the great lakes and one of the biggest fresh uh water lakes in the world and you got that you know that cold air coming off that thing i don't think it got over 70 degrees so at night it was pretty chilly up there which was nice because you were dealing with so much heat And so, you know, the whole family could be out a little bit later, you know, and they didn't have to worry about Nene getting hot or the wife getting too hot and me, you know, I didn't have to bring that fat nigga sweat towel at all, you know, so it was just really fly and it was just a joy to see how happy my wife was, you know, just to do a family vacation like that. Um, Normally we do like a, a vacation, but with her side of the family and it was just nice in her words, you know, it was just us. You know, it was just, you know, just us three, you know, doing something fly. And uh, you know, that was the whole goal of the the trip anyway, is just to, you know, do a first with just us three and just doing something so fun and just so dope. And uh um, every night we those nights that we were up there, we we're only there up there a couple nights. These plays we were there a couple nights, but um the um there was a couple of good restaurants, and I can't remember. One was called like Grandma's something, and it was right um, off of Lake Superior. That was pretty dope. And then walking on the pier was pretty dope. And then there was a uh, some kind of place that brewed their own beer uh, that was pretty dope. And uh, one great thing about. Um, Minnesota is just how progressive it is you know how you going somewhere either you ain't been there in a long time or it's a new place like Duluth I ain't never been there before and um, so going up there, I'm just like, uh, is this like a hick town or, you know, you know, you, you, you better know your place, boy. You know, is it a sundown town or whatever? But it was dope to just, you know, you pull up in there and all the businesses got like Black Lives Matter signs in the windows or, you know, um, Trans uh, You know uh, Trans positivity And shit like that Just all inclusive Or all are welcome And um, You know You've seen a right smart Amount of black folks there too And uh, uh, Other non-white folks So you felt comfortable Being there And shit like that So it was just real cool Everybody was very friendly And it was just real good vibes Nina had a ball And um, It was just It was just It was fly It was really fly Um, It was one of the it was just dope to be up in just be and then that lake superior this is what i really want to talk about like that thing is massive like it's massive like there um i think it's shared with what is it wisconsin and then i think there's a way to shoot up to canada um through there like through a canal or some shit like that so i took some videos of like these um these huge tanker ships and then there's like a, a bridge that lifts up and down to let it into the lake and stuff and uh it, like the lake it looks like a vast ocean like it is just so huge and it's all freshwater right and uh, there's seagulls there, and they tell you not to feed them because they get real aggressive. And uh, Nina learned that the hard way. Like first place we ate at was like this Tex-Mex style, like margarita bar, or whatever. And we ate outside, and uh, you know, you know, little little Tyler's like to throw their food and stuff. And you know, she's eating her little snacks before her little kids' meal comes out, and she's she's like throwing these little these little puffs, you know, these little bootleg cheeto puffs for toddlers or whatever it ain't it ain't like a cheeto but it's like it's shaped like one and it's really like broccoli or whatever so she's throwing them and a a seagull got busy on one and she got scared and she was like you know what i'm gonna just calm down because she she was doing it and then when the seagull comes came she got scared so when we got to them other restaurants like the next day like eating lunch and dinner and stuff, you know, she didn't, she wasn't throwing her food, because she knew, like, okay, if I throw this, then this big-ass bird is going to come over here and scare me, so it was a good lesson to learn, like, she really learned something, you know, being up there, if that is probably the one thing that she really learned, like, you know what, I'm a chill, I'm not going to throw my food, but as soon as we got back home, and she back in her high chair, she's back to throwing her food on the ground to feed Boo, our old uh, puckle, who's, like, 15, 16 years old, but you know she knows not to do that shit when we out and about so she she learned she learned something so thank you to the seagulls but you guys get a chance especially my midwest folks you know it's funny um i got listeners on the coast the east and the west and then the third coast down south uh it's always funny because us midwesterners you know us folks in like nebraska you know iowa kansas um uh, Missouri and shit like that uh, and Illinois even too uh, it's funny because we will drive anywhere right? for a trip we'll drive anywhere like I said up to Minneapolis from here is only five and a half hours that ain't shit up to Duluth like straight back uh, straight shot up to Duluth is like seven and a half hours or whatever and so what's funny is we will drive anywhere like there's so many of my people who are in Omaha who will drive down to Texas You know, niggas be like, oh shit, that's just a 14 hour drive. That ain't shit. And you be thinking niggas gonna stop. Nope, we just stopping for gas and we going straight through. Like, it's the funniest shit. Like, people will drive all the way out west. You know, people will drive from Omaha to like Denver, Omaha to Vegas. Like, people will just drive because you smack dab in the middle of the map. So you just be like, oh that's only this amount of time and you know what happens you know folks don't want to put all them miles on their car so they rent a car and you know you just lie about it will this car be going out of state no not at all you bring that bitch back you know with like 12 1300 miles on it but yeah that's the funny thing and I feel like people on the coast just like make fun of us because I feel like people on the coast you so far away from everything you know what I'm saying you just be like okay we'll just you know we'll just fly there or you know what I'm saying Uh, either fly there or I don't know, take an Amtrak somewhere, you know, if you do have that kind of system in place. But, uh, yeah, most of y'all be flying. But us Midwesterns, we just be like, shit, that's just a 12-hour drive, bro. You know, because you just right there. You can go anywhere, east, west, you know, up north, you know, down south. It's just like, oh, that's just a nine-hour drive. All right, let's do it. You know what I'm saying? So, that was pretty dope. Um, Let's see what else. Um, Shit. When we got back um then we um a week later it was the the juneteenth celebration you know which was wild because this is the first time that it's a federal holiday now it's like into law or whatever and i I felt some kind of way because it felt special especially here in omaha um It's just one of those things where Juneteenth is just always a big deal here. It has always been a big deal in uh, Omaha. And I honestly, I wasn't it wasn't until I was shit, maybe mid to late 20s, maybe about a decade ago, maybe about 10, 11 years ago that I learned that other um states beside texas celebrated it because i didn't know that because we always have a huge parade and then there's always like little events throughout the city you know either at a rec center or a park or something like that there's there's it's just always been a celebration in juneteenth and it's um rest in peace it's my boy's um uh kingpin uh prime uh it's his birthday or whatever So, you know, it was always the parade and, you know, celebrating, you know, with him, you know, kicking back and shit like that. So, you know, it's always been a thing. And now that it's a federal holiday, I'm just like, damn, you know, it's kind of like, you know, it's one of them things because and I know people who would come into the city. So this is why I knew this is why i thought other states didn't celebrate besides us in texas because people would you know be like from the shy chicago and like oh you about to hit the parade like you hitting a parade this weekend what parade you know juneteenth oh what's that oh okay this is when you know the uh the enslaved people down in uh texas learned that they were free you know when they finally got that letter you know uh it two years after the emancipation proclamation and um People be like what okay I'ma check it out but it's always been a huge event in Omaha it's always been a huge event drill team uh people uh you know grilling on the grilling out you know along the parade routes or later on that night on the strip and you know different you know black owned bars you know throwing little you know specials that night and you know a lot of the parks the public parks would have um you know different events for the kids and stuff like that and uh sometimes there would be like concerts from local artists so it just always felt special and don't let it be like the year of omaha days and o- omaha days is every two years so it was every odd year i don't know if shit going on this year though I know they we didn't have a parade this year for Juneteenth But don't let Omaha Days and Juneteenth Because then you're just going It's just, you know, all out Black folks just out here acting a plum fool But in a good way You know, ain't nobody being all, you know, shooting up the block and shit like that But if it's on an odd year, you know what I'm saying? And we got Omaha Days too coming up in July Oh, it's a wrap You got the Juneteenth celebration And then uh, in July it's like the Omaha Days Nigga, it's fire it's fire like Omaha days is so great um, it's just when you know native Omaha. It's the native Omaha day so it's basically when famous black folks who grew up in Omaha come back and just show love to the city and the city shows love back to them or you know people who have moved away from Omaha they come back and you know just you know spend a weekend with us and stuff like that and there's all these kind of Different events throughout the city You know, um, Gabrielle Union and D-Wade They come here And, um, you know, everybody named Mama Related to Gabrielle Union I'm like, come on, y'all It can't be everybody I mean, I was learning that like back in About 15 About 15 years ago 15, 16 years ago Niggas love to be like, oh, I'm a to, Oh, yeah, I'm a cousin I'm her cousin I'm like, okay, alright Sure you are Yeah, okay, alright like everybody named mama related to gabby but it's like all right cool whatever but um and i think one year they did a like a a celebrity basketball um kind of tournament thing that was pretty dope up in north a few years back but uh yeah omaha native omaha days is always great um but just the whole i don't know it being a federal holiday just feels like You know, like the secret's out, you know, and I hate to feel like that, but I do, you know, it just feels like the secret is out. But anyway, so we didn't have the parade this year, but we had a festival up at the Malcolm X Center. Which was fucking fire. So it's at the birthplace of Malcolm X. There's a whole... The Malcolm X Center is there. And a uh, shout out to the brother, uh, Leo Lewis, who I grew up with. He's the actual president of the Malcolm X Center. And he's doing just great things there. And uh, so there's a whole festival. And there's a beer garden. And a Juvenile was there later that night for a concert. But the thing is, the Malcolm X Center sits up on this uh, steep hill. And so... Uh, what was dope is you parked at the bottom of the hill and they had brothers in golf carts to drive you up to the beer garden and to the area where there was different um, venues there was different vendors set up and shit like that and uh, what was dope was there was a food truck there and everything was free with hot dogs and uh, burgers and chips and sodas and waters and then there was an icy uh, food truck up in the kids section and that was free too and those ices were pretty good i i can't remember the name of the food trucks so i'm sorry i was just too busy enjoying it and it was it was really dope and there was different um so they were doing the COVID vaccines um there too but that was totally voluntary um you could get your blood tested so basically you will learn your blood type and i ain't knew my blood type i forgot it in years so my shit is um a b positive so it's one of the rare ones and the lady was like oh wow you know we haven't seen this one today and she was telling me it's a b positive and um and then uh Brenda Council was there, a former councilwoman and she was doing a COVID survey. Hey, well that survey was long as hell, but at the end you got a $15 Visa gift card so you know me and my wife did that joint. <laughs> I ain't going to turn down no free money player. Like, give me my run me my Visa gift card, please. And um, and then there was uh there was um the um, the Equal Justice Initiative The E.G.E.J.I., they uh, had some stuff there and it was funny. It was funny. uh, There was a a contest about um, Juneteenth or like black folks and stuff like that. And uh, there was some kind of nation, I guess, citywide contest or something. And it was three white girls who placed first, second, and third. And so they were up there giving the, the speeches. And bless they heart, they was giving their essays, their award-winning essays. And uh, the first place one was talking about how black women, were the, you know, played off the Malcolm X quote about the black woman being the most disrespected woman in America. And they were kicking facts. All three of them was kicking facts. But it was just funny that you know seeing these white girls you know kicking kicking these real facts you know about you know uh anti-black racism in america and they was keeping it all the way 100 but it was just like wow you know what i'm saying it was just one of them things it was just it was was like a mind fuck like me and the wife was looking at each other like this is serious you know and it was just like but you had to listen to the words because they was they 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 wouldn't it wasn't like stereotypical cookie cutter shit like they was laying out cold hard facts with numbers to back up the facts and everything and references and one was about police brutality and shit like that and what was dope about the festival is that um the center and the promoters throwing it they hired their own security they didn't have omaha police there which was so nice they had their own armed security, which was nice, and uh, it wasn't the Omaha Police Department there because, yeah, it, it that was that was nice. You just felt a little bit more, you know, like when nobody gonna fuck with you, you know, after you done, you know, had a good time at the festival, and then you make it back to your car, and then you you know you fuck around and get fucked with by the opd so that that was dope that was really dope you didn't see no police cars there and shit like that and the permits was on point and shit like that so the city couldn't fuck with people but uh, it was a beautiful event a bunch of uh of free stuff um what else was there so there was like uh there was the health people there doing the covid vaccines they were giving away free condoms and stuff and um, there was a different there's a there's a couple of different businesses or uh, government agencies about, um, you know, dealing with discrimination of all types. I forgot what the company was called, but they gave us like a couple of T-shirts and stuff. And then the kids zone had this big blow up house. And it was like a big blow up ring and it had that. Spinning um, arm, inflatable arm, and you try to jump over and stuff, and that was free. And then they had the the gaming uh, trailer there. I don't know if y'all seen that driving around the city. There's a guy who has this business, and in, inside the trailer is uh, like uh, Xbox One, PS5, PS4, uh, you know, a Nintendo. Uh, switch, and it's like all TVs hooked up, and you can play all these games. And you know, he shows up to like birthday parties and shit like that. But that was free and it was air conditioned, so all the little kids was hanging out in there, you know, playing on video games and stuff like that. It's like five or six TVs inside the trailer with all them different systems and shit like that. Um, and all these video games. And um, the Omaha Public Library was there, and you could spin the wheel and get a free book. Um, But yeah, it was beautiful And me and the wife was talking Because we went in with low expectations Because this is the first time this event has happened And you know what I'm saying And you were just like, "Uh, okay Which it shouldn't have been like that We shouldn't have had these low expectations But we went in and our minds were just blown away Like it looked like the old taste of omaha you know how the taste downtown has the different setups and how it gives you a map to walk through and a stage and shit like that like it was set up beautifully beautifully like they did some great stuff with that land and we'll definitely be back um next year but um let's see what else going on with this good old summer damn jam screen have you guys heard about the the revolutionary action party so this is a new group here in Omaha, and these brothers and sisters are holding police accountable, public officials accountable, and uh, they also, you know, do different things around the community. They have a house on 24th and Emmett, and basically what it has is uh, free food, free clothing. They got computers there and internet service, you know, just in case kids need to come do their homework or you need to go use the uh, computer to fill out a job applications or shit like that. And um, they teamed up with a church and they give away free lunches and shit like that. Um, but they caught some hail from the media. Uh, and this is back in early June um, where uh, they held a pig roast outside of the Omaha Police Officers Association Hall. Like they had like heads of pigs with little uh uh, police officer had on it and shit like that, and yeah, they held a pig roast right outside there. And them, them Omaha cops, they were so goddamn mad about that, and they was harassing them and shit like that. And so a uh, few of them got, I think, uh locked up, and um but they couldn't really charge them with anything, so they just let them go. But the uh, one brother died, Nigel Phillips, he was part of the group or he was an affiliate. Um, he died uh, mysteriously right so they've been on his neck but his family came out and said it was suicide but what happened was he was being followed by police he ran a a, he ran a red he ran a stop sign got hit by a oncoming car or something like that while he's being tailed by the police and then uh the police tried to stop him he hopped out and ran And somehow they cornered him and he quote unquote shot himself. I don't believe that. I don't believe it at all. But I mean, the family said, yeah, he did shoot himself. That's what the autopsy reveals. I I mean, looking at these police, not the actual coroner's report, but the news said that it does look like he got shot from close range. It didn't say like self-inflicted gunshot wound and he had a pistol on him, but it's supposed to go up to grand jury, so, but you already know how that goes with these goddamn grand juries here in Omaha. Um, but it just seemed fishy. They raised hell. The uh, the rap party raised hell about it. But the family came out, you know, with some you know some shit saying that hey, he did kill himself. So I don't know, you know. And I know he had two little girls, and it just seems like I don't know. You don't want to. I don't speculate that something dirty happened, but, you know, it was quite odd that this happened right after the, you know, so close to that pig roast situation, you know what I'm saying? And they've been known, and I've told you this story many times before when I used to be out, me and my wife used to be out protesting with uh, Deshaun um, downtown and at different uh, areas around the city, Um, they know who you are right they know who you are you know they can get the license plate they can find you and my, like i said before my dumb ass used to be you know signing up on them facebook's you know like okay i'll be at this protest and da da da. would you join me so you know they going through that whole list and them them cops will sit outside our our apartment on my days off and it could be when i was at work too um but definitely on my day off they would sit out in front of the apartment yeah, because I had a floor-level apartment with this huge bay window. And so when you leave the apartment, you're right out on the street, right? And uh, they used to just park. You know, when my lady would leave, uh, my car would be parked on another side. And they, they would park right in her spot. And they would just sit there. Sit there for a couple hours. Just sit there. And I'm like, what the fuck? But it, and I used to take pictures uh, with the cruiser numbers and shit. And uh, I would act like I'm walking uh, Boo and I would get pictures of the Officer and you know It would be a different officer It wouldn't be like the same cop on a Lunch break or nothing nope just sitting Just staring me up and down Or staring at the apartment So you know They they know who you are in these situations But I'm not going to say if they did Something or if they didn't do anything But you know It is what it is it is what it is. It's some it's some some shady shit. Some weird shit. But um, let's go ahead and move on. Um, i read an article, and uh, y'all know that that Proud Boys leader was um was a part of the feds. He he was a known snitch uh, for drug dealers and shit like that. And now all of a sudden he's the leader of this uh this uh this this this, this radical group, the Proud Boys. And this is that black Cuban dude or whatever. But anyways, uh, what I found fascinating was he was talking about how uh, sites like PayPal and other um, payment processing companies won't uh, work on their web work with their website anymore because they sell, you know, they sell anti black um, or just racist clothing and hats and shit like that and it's a a deemed a hate group the proud boys are and so he said what he's been doing to keep it afloat is actually selling black lives matter merchandise to keep them afloat now that is the craziest shit i've ever heard but if y'all go back and listen to an episode i did probably about two years ago i was saying the same thing two three years ago maybe when uh Kaepernick was catching hell and uh all these shirts started coming across the board and I had the fucking idea to start making t-shirts and do like a you know have some uh quote unquote American themed website where it says I stand for the flag and kneel at the cross you know I was gonna have a bunch of them shirts and I was just gonna cash out but I was too pussy to do it you know I was too scared to do it because I just felt like you know uh that ain't a way to make some money you know what I'm saying I felt like the ancestors would turn on me and you know be like you know what boy this ain't, you know, this ain't it you know this ain't it you know this ain't it you know you can definitely get your money off of these these bigots but not at the expense of your own people you know what I'm saying so so I did I didn't do it I I, I didn't do it Am my I kicking myself eh, maybe a little bit but it is what it is. Um, let's talk about uh, Pill Cosby real quick, just real quick before we end this summer jam screen, because I was talking so much about the vacation that, uh, yeah, we've been going on for about 33, 34 minutes. But um, let's talk about Pill Cosby real quick. So it looks like he got out. Um, some people are saying it's a technicality. Um, other folks saying it's because um, because of a, it was a gross violation of the Constitution. And that is what it is. It's the latter. But um, am I celebrating? Have I been celebrating? Absolutely the fuck not. And I will tell you why. Um, it's not that uh, it's not, you know, I know a few of those women have been uh, been proven wrong and been proved as liars and shit like that. But my thing is, and it always has been. Uh, with Bill Cosby wagging his finger at poor black folks, um, you know, uh, listening to, I I re-listened to the pound cake speech, um, and it, it, it just, you know, it just couldn't, I can't justify you know his movements you know what i'm saying just how he moved during that pound cake speech just him wagging his finger and then talking about you know how people how the fam families went there when he you know the the he makes up some hypothetical child uh or man that's in an orange jumpsuit and is like where were you at when he was two where were you at when he was 10 12 18 shit like that and you you know you mad at the cops for him uh stealing a piece of pound cake or stealing a coca-cola and shit like that then he's talking about how black folks don't know how to speak english and shit like that and it's one of those things where i'm just like okay you got railroaded by the system so to speak i guess whatever um and now you want to call out you know injustices and shit like that about how the uh the system is all fucked up and calling out racism and all this you know bullshit you want black folks to stand behind you but you went on a whole fucking tour wagging your finger you know at black folks so i can't i'm not gonna be like oh well he is you know he can folk no he just skin folk you know what i'm saying once because niggas get some money and they start acting like you know you you made your 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 money cooning and buffooning you know what i'm saying before you got the cosby show you know i've seen them old movies and shit like that you know you're cooning and buffooning playing the black best friend and shit like that you know what i'm saying and showing that you a wholesome nigga and you living your life on respectability politics and You know, you was dicking down all these different white women, you know, giving them quaaludes to enhance the sexual experience. And where the fuck did that get you? That got you behind bars in prison. You know what I'm saying? So I'm talking to you, Mr. Cosby, like, like, why didn't you, you know, be a real man and just, you know, why? Why were you stepping out on your wife? Why were you? You know, if we're talking respectability, why were you stepping out on your wife? Why were you using drugs, Dr. Cosby? Like that's bad, drugs are bad, okay. You know what I'm saying? So it's always, but I want y'all to peep people who get up on this high horse and start wagging their finger because a lot of times, the mother not, not a lot of times, most of the time, the motherfuckers be hiding deep dark secrets they be doing all kind of filthy shit behind closed doors as we saw with uh, bill cosby you know what i'm saying you out here wagging your finger and then you want black folks to you know hold you down and shit like that because you went in prison and you you supposedly got railroaded man get the fuck out of here and i see people just you know celebrating and shit like that i'm just like eh, eh, yeah you know what I'm saying? Like, and I know some of the victims, uh, so-called victims were lying about different shit, but it was so many victims. I don't know. You know, nobody truly knows who's telling the truth and, you know, who's not. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, I I, I cannot give Cosby the benefit of the doubt or even my support, you know, just just because you went out here, you know, trying to air out black folks uh, business, so to speak, and to move like that in the public eye you know what i'm saying going out here you know giving these speeches and shit like that cosby was it cosby unfiltered that was one of them where you're still talking crazy about you know poor black folks and shit like that and it's just it's one of them things where there's a disconnect and there's so many stories from comedians about bill cosby being so nasty to them you know, being so mean to him like Eddie Murphy and then I think D.L. Hughley said that he got into it with him actually uh, when they were recording for uh, a, uh, a radio show he was doing and uh, Cosby called in and shit like that and was talking greasy and you know uh, D.L. told him about himself but at the time Bill Cosby was so powerful that they couldn't even air the interview and said that it would destroy that radio a network or whatever that dl was on so it's you know there's all kind of little scummy little stories about that and people have been talking about how cosby be using them quite loose to get that pussy so i, I you know it's one of them things where it's just like fuck you dude you know what i'm saying it's like you know you, you you thought you was black america's dad and shit like that like get the fuck out of here you know get all the way the fuck out of here like is yeah and there's so many people that i respect who are coming out and like you know champion for cosby and shit like that and i'm just like yeah Ugh. yeah Ugh. Ugh. like you know cosby you know he had damn near two feet on the coon train you know just the way that he was talking about black folks and it's just like nah now nah, you want to talk about the um the symptoms, you know, of racism, but you don't want to actual, you know, go in there and dig in there and actually find the cause. You know, you talking about the symptoms of, of, of an illness that's uh, embedded in America. You know what I'm saying? People. You know, being born into poverty and shit like that due to racism, white supremacy and not having a shot and shit like that and being miseducated. And you're talking about Brown versus the Board of Education and and all this other shit, you know, but people are getting poor educations and shit like that and got teachers that hate them, you know, and setting them up for failure or trying to railroad them into fucking special education classes because they don't want to deal with them. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're not talking about any of that. You're just talking about brown versus the board of education. Some niggas got hit in the head with a brick for you to be able to go to school with white folks. And you should be thankful. You know, it's just like, man, get the fuck out of here. You know, so fuck Bill Cosby. But I'm going to leave it to my nigga Hove, because I've been rambling and ranting. So Hove, what you got to say? Well, don't be the next tested on that Summer Jam screen. I smoke rocks. <laughs> I smoke rocks. Alright, thank you so much Tyrone Biggums for that lovely intro of selling hope like damn dope. Uh, we have to stay local and give it to uh, our governor, um, Pete Hot Dog Ricketts. Um, right before Juneteenth, he tweeted that critical race theory is an attack on our country's core values. So like I said many times before, uh, before um, many times before, this is a Republican governor who's a billionaire. Well, his daddy's a billionaire. Excuse me. And his, you know, he's just playing, you know, dress up as a governor. You know what I'm saying? So it's one of those things where he's just trying to, um, you know, you know, go to his base. You know, trying to cater to his base. Um, and what's funny is what we're seeing, and I think the, um, the brothers over there at Champagne Sharks, they tweeted about it, how... People are ju- trying to define critical race theory because so many people don't know actually what it is. And it hasn't been taught at a school age level. It's actually taught in universities. So that's what's fascinating to me. And you got all these people throwing fits and, you're gonna have to excuse me, these allergies whooping my ass. But um, so you have, it's being taught at the college level, but now you have different um you know, cities, counties, states trying to ban it and things like that or fighting for it to teach it. And critical race theory is actually the child of Derrick Bell. And um, this is a law professor, uh, rest in peace, who passed, uh, I think it was back in like 2011. But, you know, it originated in the, in the 70s or whatever. So it's basically... Um, Speaking about it, it critically examines the law here in the US um, as it intersects with issues of race in the US. And it also um, basically looks at how so-called the how do I say that? Like so-called American liberals, how they approach, you know, a liberal approach to racial justice right so it, it calls out the different like symbolisms and bullshit like that and it examines um, legal issues cultural issues social issues Uh, primarily, you know, as it relates to race and racism in the U.S., right? So you have Derrick Bell, like I said, who was like the godfather of critical race theory. And you have people like um, Dr. Tommy Curry, who's pushing it forward now. And then there's also um, Alan Freeman. Um, What was that? Uh, Kimberly Crenshaw. Um, What's the Delgado brother's name? What's what's his first name? Richard. And you got Cheryl Harris also. And there's many more. Who focus on you know critical race theory um and so basically it just deeply analyzes how race impacts law and how laws impact race here in the united states and the thing is it wouldn't give you know if it was taught in schools it wouldn't be the whole okay christopher columbus discovered america okay some europeans brought over some uh, enslaved africans they had to work it was bad but it boosted the economy abraham lincoln felt real bad so he started the civil war and the north beat the south to free the black folks and then you have dr king coming in you know 100 years later in, uh, in the 60s, and there's the civil rights movement to help black folks get equal rights, and now we all have equal rights, right? So it wouldn't tell that fairy tale. It would tell all of those stories, but what actually really happened. You know what I'm saying? The actual truth, like when you don't learn that shit unless you take like an elective class in high school or part of, you know, learning in a university or something like that to get your college degree. You know, and a lot of times it don't be required, but you have to take it as like an elective or something of that extent. So that's what critical race theory does and is right. And it actually It calls out, like I said before, the symbolism of a lot of shit to be going on, just like they made Juneteenth a holiday when black folks have been hooting and hollering and raising hell in the streets about reparations and about um, punishing these race soldiers, uh, faking like they're cops. Right. And a a fascinating thing about Derek Bell's work, Derek Bell's work is that um, one of his. uh, his books um, or uh, teachings is a uh, faces at the bottom of the well. The permanence of racism, right? So he speaks about how um, in race in America is you know sugarcoated in the myth that equality for blacks will be found just around the corner, right? It's just it's it's almost there. We almost there, and he speaks about how racism is basically you know. Uh, it's going to it's just part of American life it will never go away right so we will never get rid of racism um, in this American life we won't unless there's like a huge overhaul of the overall system like you can't just you know, deal with you know oh we took down some confederate statues and shit like that it's just here to stay but I mean, the only way that you really can impact some real change is to is just to lessen the blow of racism right so to dismantle those systems like the racism is still going to be there no matter what but if you lessen the blow of it like if it won't be Uh, To the point where, you know, race soldiers, for example, like race soldiers killing us and shit like that, you know, that implicit uh, that that bias, you know, of black folks being killed at a higher rate by cops. So if you you lessen that blow by actually um, having cops being convicted of murder, getting rid of that um, qualified immunity where cops can see like, oh, shit. We really don't, you know, we're not invincible out here. You know what I'm saying? If it's beyond a reasonable doubt, like, it's like, okay, oh, shit, they proved beyond a reasonable doubt that, you know, I killed this black man or woman on purpose. Now I'm getting, you know, 20, 30 years in prison. And, and, you know, you start actually treating it like regular, you know, murders. Then that's how you lessen the blow, right? Then they're thinking, oh, shit, let me cool out. Let me chill on killing, you know, black men, women, and children. You see what I'm saying? So you lessen that blow. So they see that they can, they see that they can actually be harmed, you know, or punished, you know, for doing a dirty deed like that, right? So the person is still, the cop is still a bigot. You know what I'm saying? The cop is still posing as a race soldier. But. He's going to think twice before using his pistol. Might use his taser or beat the shit out of you with a baton or something like that. Or if you look at it from a monetary standpoint, um, like with the um, the loans for home loans. Remember uh, even just, what was it, four, three, four years ago when um, Wells Fargo caught hell because um, they were giving people, home, black folks, home loans. At a higher interest rate than somebody white that had either the similar uh, credit build credit score and income or lesser, you know, than that black person. So I could have like a credit score of like 745 or some shit like that and I'm making, you know, $90,000 a year and i need a home for hundred and you know sixty thousand dollars you know what i'm saying and it's like oh, okay well here's the loan and here's the interest rate of five point you know four which is ridiculous right but somebody else comes in white guy comes in tom comes in and he has a credit score of 592 he makes seventy thousand dollars and he needs the same home loan uh, for the $160,000 but he gets his he gets the loan and he gets his at an interest rate of like 3.25 you know what I'm saying some shit like that so then you uh, so if you get rid of that you get rid of that kind of bias right there you know dismantle the banking system and then you still you know so everything is equal but the teller might just call you a nigga No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. But, you know, they might shoot you a fucking dirty look or something and be short with you in the in the meeting. But you still get the loan at the lower interest rate. You know what I'm saying? That's lessening the blow like shit. I still got the loan, got it at the low interest rate that I deserved. You know, the same as this white man or if not lower, because my credit score is better and I have a higher income. You know what I'm saying, but the the teller or the the, the branch manager or whoever the uh, the loan officer is just shooting you a you know a dirty look like oh, you can look at me like this all day, but you know the numbers are it is what it is. That's how you, that's just explaining like lessening the blow, right? You can deal with that a lot better. I could deal with getting my ass whooped by a cop as opposed to getting my face blown off or getting shot in the back, you know nine ten times. You know what I'm saying? I can deal with the inconvenience of, you know, being pulled over for no apparent reason as opposed to them, you know, running up on me and then, you know, putting, you know, 25 fucking bullet holes into my truck because it fit the description of some other vehicle, some other truck in a robbery that was nine states away or something that was happening at the same time. You know what I'm saying? So that's what that's how I interpret. Derek Bell's uh view of like how it's just woven into it's just going to be permanent racism going to be permanent but if you work to lessen the blow so it won't be so systemic if it's so let me just say let me just I should I should have just said it this way so if you lessen the blow it'll be how white folks view racism You know what I'm saying? It won't be how us blacks and non-whites view it as a systemic issue as hindering your progress. It's name calling. You know what I'm saying? It's name calling. That's how white folks view. Most white folks view racism. Just name calling. That's it. They don't they don't view it as the the um, the prejudice plus plus power. You know, dictating where uh, a black family, a Hispanic family, or Asian family is going to live with red line, even though black folks catch the most hell out of any other racial group. But um, just to you know, put it in context. So that's what I should have said when I say that Derek Bell's view. Of racism in America is that it, it will always be here But we need to work to lessen the blow So lessen the blow to the point of How white folks imagine racism You know they look at it like It's just name calling You know calling a black person the n-word Calling them a cracker or something like that Or telling a joke uh, 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 A racist joke A joke with racial undertones They don't see the You know the power Behind redlining um behind the the medical apartheid and shit like that so that's that's what it looks like but um so going back to um how people are they don't know what critical race theory is so they just kind of define it on their own terms it's just they think that it's teaching white folks that and other and non-whites that all white people are evil that's what they think it is, as opposed to actually looking at policies, critically thinking about different laws and how some of these laws have been changed um, and how it actually impacts. You know, and I think one of the biggest things people would learn with uh, critical race theory is, you know, the whole affirmative action thing and to kind of go off on uh, the whole Rachel Nichols thing. She's an ESPN um, she works for ESPN. She has a show, The Jump. Um, And that's the the older white lady who uh, does the NBA games and shit like that. So she got busted for, um, you know, having a regular white folk conversation. Like how uh, a a lot of white folks uh, speak when it's just them two. And uh, she was uh, talking about how... Um, she was being replaced on the NBA Finals as a re- sideline reporter or something with um, the sister over that sister Maria Taylor doing the finals, and she was just talking about how she was so fed up. How they and she was talking with uh, who was it LeBron's uh, manager or something like that, and this was weird, but you know it was just you know white folks having that conversation where they can be brutally honest and talk to each other. She was talking about how she's fed up with. Oh, this Black Lives Matter and then the Me Too shit. But anyway, she was uh, basically, you know, doing what a white woman going to do when a black woman comes in and, you know, does an amazing job. And she's talking about ESPN is, you know, trying to save face with diversity and all this other shit at the expense of her. And I bring that up. Because, yeah, I think they just totally removed Rachel Nichols from uh, the finals. Now, I just seen that report come out. But anyway, so what I'm saying is like with critical race theory, you would actually learn that affirmative action uh, has benefited white women more than any other group in the uh, in the U.S. You know what I'm saying? So uh, and the Department of Labor, will, t- will tell you that. There's a there's an article that tells you how white women have benefited the most from affirmative action. But they love to throw that around when they see black folks in white spaces like, oh, that's affirmative action fire. That's an affirmative action hire. But with critical race theory, they will learn that, okay, white women have benefited the most. And most people marry who they look like, you know, races marry within each other. And so they just bringing them benefits right back to the white man boom more power to the white infrastructure right to the white family so that was one thing that that you would definitely learn and then it would you know it it would and pete ricketts was actually right because in his thread uh let me break this down he said the american founding is based on the idea that all men are created equal that they're endowed by their creator with certain uh, unalienable rights that among these life liberty and the pursuit of happiness And then the effect of critical race theories to put pit the American people against one another rather than building a more perfect union that promotes dignity of all Americans and respect for people of all backgrounds. So he's actually right, because it would fuck up the way that people think about America, mainly white Americans, how they think about America. Right. It would really fuck them up, the majority uh, uh, population. Right. And then I think if you actually really start digging deep, um, You, you know it, it would just really It would really shatter the white American ego Right It would fuck things up It would really get you know Non-white people like children If it was actually taught in schools Like I said it's being taught in universities Off rip It hasn't been taught in school there, there ain't no critical race theory You know teaching plan being passed out To public school teachers Or private school sector at all right But it would really, you know, straighten up the backs of non-white children Um, because I remember growing up like I went to um, King Primary Center It's now like King Elementary or whatever. But it was it was centered on prominent African-Americans, prominent black Americans who've done amazing things in history. And it wasn't just Dr. King. You know, Rosa Parks, Frederick Douglass, like through the halls of the whole school is just pictures of prominent black Americans who've done amazing things to contribute into the building of this nation. So I went there and you learned about all these different people. And this was kindergarten through third grade when I went there. But then when I went to King Science Center, which is a magnet center that focused mainly on, you know, science and math, like like a a STEM center or whatever. But they called it magnet centers to attract bright young minds and shit like that. And um, so but the only thing that you really learned in history and in social studies was, all right, you niggas got brought over on a boat you know that's it blah 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 and the rest is history abraham lincoln freed y'all niggas and dr king you know gave y'all equal rights and you know 100 years later that's what you learn you just like but i it, it always i always when i was in like you know leading up to like high school i always just wondered like who the fuck were we before you know uh being brought over in these ships and then you learned about a lot of black folks was already over here you know, they, uh, there's uh, writings that um, some of these first European settlers would talk about, or those Spanish uh, settlers or explorers, whatever the fuck you want to call them. There's different writings about them seeing people that look like uh, Ethiopians—that's what they used to call, you know, Africa—and um, you know, dark-skinned people, you know, that look like you know people of ancient Kemet and shit like that. So you, and then you learn that you know, about the Moors and different things like that and and it's just it just it it did something to your confidence you know when you when you were being taught that you know you come from slaves and shit like that and i told y'all before like i have a great grandmother who was born in 18 uh great great grandmother who was born in 1899 and she died in the early 90s and when my mama used to talk to her she'd be like you know uh mama was your uh Was your people slaves? And she was like, No. She was like, My parents weren't slaves and my grandparents weren't slaves. We was free. We was always free. Right? So that's coming from my side of the family, right? Or my mama's side of the family. So and you can just kind of start learning these different things. But if if you teach people, you know, only one side of the story, one part of the story, you know, you can shape and mold them. You know, to be subservient, to always be submissive, and things of that sort, right? So it will fuck up the um, so-called union that we have right now, right? Because people will learn, okay, I deserve more. Okay, I need to be, you know, my back is up straight. My head is up, held up high. I deserve everything that you got. You know what I'm saying? So then now it turns into a true fight for uh equity that leads to equality right so that's the whole thing why people are so hell-bent on pushing back and trying to define critical race theory right they're trying to define it in a way where it's like oh kill whitey hate whitey the white man's the evil man but it's actually just saying okay y'all just pacifying this you're putting a band-aid on a tumor uh, and that tumor is racism, white supremacy. It's the it's an evil and unjust system. Right. And uh, so that's what it does. It just, you know, it, it, it tells you about the bandaid that's on top of the tumor and how, you know, we really need to start treating this tumor. But. You know, it's always been about dominance. It's never been about equality with, you know, within the system of racism, white supremacy. You need that class of people on the bottom. And that's what it goes to. But when Pete Ricketts tweeted this out, you know, people was getting in his ass. And there was a celebration. There's a Juneteenth celebration over at the Highlander um, over there off of uh, 30th, just uh, south of 30th and Lake. And... um, he showed up there, like he really had the audacity to show up to a Juneteenth celebration, and he looked so uncomfortable. There's a bunch of pictures floating around. Uh, you can just look it up. Just look at Pete Ricketts Juneteenth, and he's just there looking uncomfortable. Black folks are scowling at him, and if I was there, I would honestly be like, you know, I would I would have a heart to heart with Pete. You know, I will I would talk to him and like. How do you have the audacity to show up here, for one, after what you said about critical race theory? And then, two, what do you want? Like, what is the purpose of you being here? Like, you showed up here, like, is this a show of power? That you think that you can come up, come here amongst black folks, and then you've you've done so many racist things tweeted out so many dog whistles you know about different situations you know happening here in the city and in afar and here you are showing up to like how do you have this audacity right but that's white power right there that that's power right there he's showing up like i dare somebody to do something nobody said anything to him but i wish i was there i would definitely would approach them like fuck your security or whatever you know, I wouldn't have been up here making silly ass faces. You know, I really just sit down and talk, try to talk to him, man to man, face to face. Like, how do you have this audacity? What makes you so goddamn comfortable? You know, saying something like that, then coming to this celebration. You know what I'm saying? So now, critical race theory is, you know, you fighting against it, but here you are celebrating Juneteenth. Well, what's Juneteenth, Pete? You know what I'm saying? So it's just, you know, we gotta quit pacifying and being so so willing to participate in the system of racism white supremacy you know to the point where you know it's just emboldened people and it's very disgusting very very disgusting but um i'm gonna continue uh going on on this pete ricketts rant when we go into hold this l so y'all just stay tuned hold on just a second this portion of do rags and boat shoes has been brought to you by the letter l as in "Hey yo my guy my hands are full give me a hand here can you hold this l all right so before we get started on holding this l well we can say this guy can hold an l did y'all see that video that popped up yesterday of that guy in new jersey um what was it in mount laurel or something a guy named edward matthews he was on video i don't know if y'all follow like the savoy show or whatever but um so this guy was on video cursing out these non-white folks and a brother stepped in and was telling man you gotta get out of here with that shit and everything and from uh my understanding he's been doing that to people it was like some kind of gated community or something like condos or some shit like that or I don't know, it looked like apartments or condos, or condominiums, I don't know, it was some shit. But, uh, and, and so the cops came, a cop came, and he started cursing out the cop and was like, you ain't got no fucking jurisdiction here, I've been doing this for years, or I've been living here for years, and, uh, I guess he's been terrorizing, you know, non-white folks for years, and he was dropping the N-bomb and everything, and this is where he fucked up. So, when they were recording him, you know, throwing them racial slurs, this man felt untouchable You would have thought that he had all of the infinity stones And in an infinity gauntlet, right? He felt like he was Thanos out in this motherfucker Right, so, um he, he dropped his address And within, like, I think it was about less than three hours There was a, a whole slew of black folks out there At his front door Daring him to come outside And then he finally got arrested Um, Because he was just making all kinds of crazy threats and he was talking so crazy and reckless to that cop and that cop wasn't doing shit, you know. But anyways, so they arrested him and all them people was like throwing soda at the cops and him and throwing like food at him. They destroyed his home. But it's one of them things where, you know, I think black folks and other non-whites, you know, they're just getting fed up. Ever since that George Floyd situation, you know, last summer, folks just been fed up. It's like, okay, we ain't getting no justice. Okay, we're going to have to force the hand. You know what I'm saying? We're going to force your hand. You're going to have to see us face to face because everybody ain't about that kumbaya you know you know you slap me on one cheek I'm gonna let you slap the other and I'm gonna show the world how horrible you treating me on some Dr. King shit right even though outside of the public eye Dr. King was about that life he used to be strapped up at his crib he he was about that he's about that second amendment life there's a great book um, that talks about the armed resistance Of uh, black folks here in America And it's called uh, This Nonviolent stuff will get you killed It's a really good book And it talks about different situations Like the de- deacons of defense um, Different accounts of uh, black folks Holding their own Using the second amendment It's a very good book very very good book i will highly recommend it but it also talked about in the beginning how somebody was going to interview dr king and uh he was about to sit on a chair and he was like dr king was like hey be careful there's a pistol up under there and then there was like shotguns in every corner of his room in a in a specific room facing the, the outside just in case somebody showed up to his house acting crazy but um but yeah, I mean, that guy, he felt invincible. You know, he thought that he was going to be out here, you know, on that shit and uh, be, w- and, you know, he, he was on that shit and he found out that these black folks was with the shits, right? So he ended up getting arrested. His home is all vandalized and fucked up. And I just don't, I don't understand why you hate, you know, and harass people who don't look like you. Like, I mean,. Dr. Wilson is just absolutely right, spot on about racism, white supremacy. It's all about survival and, you know, keeping the race going. And it's just to that point where it's just like, you know, you just hate to see something that doesn't look like you. And to me, that is just the wildest shit ever when you break down racism. Like, it's just the wildest shit ever. Just, just crazy. Cause somebody don't ain't got the same skin color as you, you deem them as inferior and you dehumanize them. It's some crazy shit. But um, speaking of dehumanizing, um, did y'all watch that Summer of Soul that uh, that love did about that Harlem music festival? Oh, it was great. It was like this huge festival that happened the same year as Woodstock back in '69, and this was after the riots and shit. You know, of uh, in the uh, post Dr. King, because when Dr. King got killed, riots broke out all over the country. Black folks was just fed the fuck up. Like this dude is nonviolent and everything, and here y'all go, you know, assassinating him, and he and you know, black folks across the country just start burning shit up, turning up, turning on these cops and whooping ass and everything, burning down shit and whooping ass. But um, uh, but it was talking, to, it, but it was like Nina Simone, a Young. Uh, Stevie Wonder you had uh, Mahalia Jackson there Um, who else was there B.B. King and it was funny to see a young B.B. King like performing you like damn I ain't never seen him without the glitter jacket and the salt and pepper hair you know what I'm saying and it was beautiful, like it was lost footage. And uh, you know, the city threw it on, and uh, who was it? Maxwell Coffee House. They sponsored it, make sure that everybody got paid, and the Panthers provided uh, security. It, it is really good. It's up on Hulu. And um, the guy, the guy who filmed it, was talking about how he was trying to shop it around, but nobody was, you know, interested in seeing, you know, uh, a Black Woodstock. That's how he tried to sell it. And me and my wife was talking about why it was buried. And I said, it's, you know, it just goes to dehumanize black people. You know, it's one of those things where if you show black folks having a good time and just enjoying themselves and just being regular human beings, you know, it's one it's you know, it doesn't fit the narrative. Right. It doesn't fit that narrative of us being wild animals who have to be tamed by the white man. It doesn't fit that narrative at all. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't, you know, and that's the main, the main, one of the main strategies of racism is to dehumanize, you know, the non-dominant society, the non-whites. And so there. that's why so much of our history is buried and our achievements are buried to shoot down your confidence and to believe everything that those in power say. You know, and this was just another example that... That footage been sitting down in that uh, in that storage or whatever for you know fifty years. You know, it's been sitting down and just in storage for fifty years. Nobody knew about it. Nobody talked like it was just a a, a word of mouth type thing. And the footage looks amazing. It's been restored. So shout out to that brother Quest Love. But let's uh, continue to move on to uh, selling hope like dope. Let's talk about this commission. There's a commission. That uh, Justin Wayne introduced um, In the Nebraska legislature And it got passed uh, uh, It's a coalition of African American affairs right And so let me pull up my Notes here so y'all just bear with Me um, just one Damn moment Alright let me see here alright I got my notes Pulled up cause I don't wanna steer Y'all the wrong way and you know I like For y'all to be thinkers yourself That's why I always add those um, links to the uh, information that I'm talking about. So, I mean, I was going to have this in Selling Hope like dope, you know, all the way, but this is, this is just a giant L. So, Justin Wayne introduced, you know, this bill um, to basically... Um, the Commission on African-American Affairs. So it was created, and this is, I'm reading verbatim from the governor's website, it was created through the enactment of uh, LB-918, which is Legislative Bill 918, um, introduced by Senator Justin Wayne. And um, the responsibilities of the commission is tasked to, and I quote, coordinate programs relating to the African-American community in Nebraska regarding housing, Education, welfare, medical, and dental care, employment, economic development, law and order, and related problems. Right? So, this is this, this was amazing to me that I actually got passed. Um, that bill got passed in the law, and um, yeah, so they made it happen. But the thing is, Governor Ricketts was appointing these members, right? So, hot dog head Ricketts and And I'm gonna just read off these people, um, this commission, uh, and remember, this is for uh, African Americans. So this, this is where you get caught up into the bullshit, right? So you got a brother named Des Moines Adams from Lincoln. Um, let's see here. He served as a development director of the University of Nebraska Foundation. Uh, he spent over seven years as the program director for Teammates, which is the mentoring program from Tom Osborne, a Husker football legend, legendary coach who, who brought us all those titles. And then uh, he sits on the University of Nebraska Foundation of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee, and he's also serving on the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. State board, so that's a red flag right there. Whenever you see a nigga part of some kind of Christian fellowship group, all right. I mean, we got William Fimi Awaduiley out of uh, Bennington. Okay, so a non-foundational Black American. Uh, So since 2000, William Fimi Awaduiley, I will, I will, daily has been the executive director of Christian Couples Fellowship International. So this is a nigga that believes in white Jesus. He's a speaker and an author who has traveled to more than 50 countries and published 14 books primarily on the topics of strengthening marriage and developing a healthy home life. Then you got John Carter. Uh, This brother, he actually runs a gun shop, and I follow him on Facebook. Um, just to get information on, you know, legalities of uh, being a gun owner myself. So I follow him and, you know, but this brother was, uh, he's a cop. He has extensive experience in law enforcement. Uh, worked in police departments in David City and Lincoln and Takama uh, as interim chief of police. And he's uh, currently a deputy sheriff for Dundee County. And he also holds a, a jurist doctor from Creighton Law School. Then you got the sister, Tony Clark, out of Papillion, and she's an executive director of Assure's Women's Center, which offers pregnancy services in Omaha, and she's an Air Force veteran, uh, 14 years of military service, and she's previously worked as a pharmaceutical rep. Um, then you got this brother, Vernon Joseph. Now, this brother, his picture, and I'm going to have a link uh, where y'all can look at all these people. Uh, I don't know if this brother photoshopped his eyes is blue or what, but um, he's showing all 32 teeth and this just looks like the coon train, right? So Vernon is a general manager and operating partner at Dunkin' Donuts. He currently serves on the Nebraska Children's Commission as well as the Nebraska Library Commission, but, uh, you know, just the way that this brother's hair look. And he got these blue eyes. Uh, it just it just screams Coon Train to me. Now Gwen Easter out of Omaha. I know this sister. She's the owner of a Safe Haven Early Childhood Preschool Education Academy, and um, she she she's always about the kids. You know, so that this is a decent pickup. Right, and she serves on the state's Early Childhood uh, Interagency Coordination Council. And she's the founder and executive director of Safe Haven Community Center, uh, which provides housing and education in early childhood, dyslexia, and advocacy training and services. And you got another sister, Connie Edmond, out of Lincoln. And she's a, a managing partner of WIRL CPA with uh, 34 years of experience in accounting, tax, finance, and business fields. Uh, she served on numerous boards, currently serves on the Lincoln Community Foundation and Mailmate Net uh, Bank boards, and she's also served as an ambassador for the Lincoln Chamber of Commerce. Then you got this brother, Glenn Freeman, out of Omaha. You know, he joined the Air Force in 55, retired as a chief master sergeant uh, in 85. He was awarded the Bronze Star, three meritorious uh, service medals, four Air Force uh, commendation medals for his service and uh so he's highly decorated right so he's bringing that uh he was also a senior aide to uh chuck hagel uh he he was a special assistant for military and veteran affairs then you got this brother uh dale genes gines Gines, senior out of omaha and uh this brother uh he actually works for the Federal Reserve Bank of KC in the Omaha branch, and he's an economic developer and two time winner of the Federal Reserve Bank of KC's President Award for prominence, uh, for performance excellence, and innovation. He holds a PhD in the public administration from UNO. We got uh, Clarice Jackson, because okay, she has over 20 years of experience enhancing operations through her skill in education and mediation. And she provides dyslexia screening and teaching as executive director of Voice Advocacy Center in Omaha. Serves in a part-time capacity as restorative justice coordinator at the Concord uh, Mediation Center. And then uh, she serves as councilwoman for the learning community of Douglas and Sarpy County, Sub Council One, and sits on the City of Omaha's Mayoral Human Rights and Relations Boards. All right, here we come with another non-foundational. Uh, 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 african brother laban in wogona uh in jugona i don't know from aurora right so laban is a co-founder and ceo of zibuni specialty coffee auction and it facilitates the direct trade of wholesale green specialty coffees to roasters in north america through integrated in-person and online auctions and connections uh roasting development all right, he's passionate about entrepreneurship, trade, pioneering uh, market-based solutions to economically empower others. His wife Cora are patrons of the Numani Foundation, a nonprofit that provides orphans with tuition assistance in Kenya, as well as income opportunities for women. And you got this brother Mark Jared Smith. Uh, he lived in North O for sixty years. Been a pastor of Royal Assembly Guide since two thousand seven. Which time, he also worked at Logier Corporation and Oriental Trading as equipment operator. Alright. So, let's see here. Um, here's another non-foundational black American. Uh, uh, this is uh, Karen Sockpo. Alright, so she's practiced law at Sockpo Law Group since 2011. Has extensive litigation experience in juvenile immigration and family law. She's also a board member of the Women's Fund of Omaha, the Women's Center for Advancement, and the president of Midlands African Chamber. And she holds, holds a juris doctor from Creighton University School of Law. And then let's see here. Then the last sister is LaShawn Young. And this is an attorney uh, and partner at Young & Young Attorneys at Law. She focuses on family juvenile probate law. And uh, her firm was awarded the NAACP Freedom Fighter Award in 2015. She's on the University of Nebraska College of Law Dean's Advisory Board and the Board of Directors for the Omaha Children's Museum. And she also holds a Juris Doctor from the University of Nebraska College of Law. Okay, so I already read you got three non-foundational black Americans on here who are talking about African-American issues. So the wording uh, that Justin Wayne used was a little bit fucked up. Should have put something in there like for native black Americans, foundational black Americans or uh, American descendants of slaves, something to define native born black Americans. Right. So then an article came out from the um, Omaha World Herald. Right. And it brought up some great points about the uh, Commission on African-American Affairs, right? So I say it's holding this L because you're like, oh, okay, this is different people. You know, you got some immigrants in here, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, three out of them 14 people, the, them, they do not relate to black issues here in America. They don't, right? So they did an expose kind of article on this uh, once the uh, 14 members... Were, um, you know, announced So five of them are Republican And the other nine are non-partisan So they're independents like me So there are no Democrats on there And that's the large portion of black folks in the state Are registered as Democrats Um, Like I said, but I don't have an issue with that My only issue is you got some Republicans on there, so you should have you should balance that out, right? So you got five Republicans. Well, you should have five Democrats, and then maybe four nonpartisans, right? So you need some you need some of that balance, but you know, eh, you know, it is what it is. Um, There's that uh, that brother who worked for uh, that former chairman of the Douglas County GOP. And he uh, compared government programs to slavery. There's that deputy sheriff who owns the um, gun shop, who I said I follow on Facebook, but he blogged against reparations. Okay. Um, a leader in the petition drive to overturn Omaha's ordinance banning discrimination against gay and transgender people. Um, the executive director of a crisis pregnancy center. And an Omaha woman at the forefront of the school choice movement, right? So the outnumber members with more liberal connections, that's what they're saying in this article, you know, uh, let's see here. So you got the um, so precious McKesson, who is part of the Black Caucus of the Nebraska uh, DP, uh, the Democratic Party. She was saying how highly disappointed she was. Right. So this is somebody who could have absolutely been on there. There is. Uh, people on the commission she said who do not represent the values of the African American community and I think the governor is just pushing his agenda so that that's I absolutely wholeheartedly agree with Precious McKesson and uh, shout out to this brother uh, Terrell McKinney who just became a state senator so um, he represents my area, so North O, down north, right? So he called it a problem that the governor did not create partisan balance on the commission, which I just said. But he also brought up the uh, non-FBA people on there, right? So that's this is, this is what I'm talking about. He said, the article says he also raised concern about the number of African immigrants on the commission, noting that they would not have the same experience as people who grow up black in the United States, which is true. And three of the 14 members, or 21%, are immigrants who originally held from Kenya, Nigeria, and Togo. Um, But then they uh, talked to uh, Press Secretary Taylor Gage, and she said the party registration was not a factor, which is a lie, in selecting commission members, nor were applicants asked about hot-button political issues. Why weren't they? And then uh, Gage said the governor was surprised to learn that no Democrats were in the group, uh you know like i said uh hot dog pete he's just he just has so many blanketed thoughts about black folks what none of those niggers were democrats they none of them are on the democratic plantation none of them you know that's probably what he said um and they said the only requirements was that members be african-american right it should have been native black americans or foundational black americans um as part of the selection process um Applicants were interviewed by Gage and top-ranking African Americans in the administration, um, including uh, Department of Economic Development uh, Tony Goins, and then uh, Kalila Legrand, who is also uh, Human Services—I uh, mean, Health and Human Services Communications Director—and then also uh, Danette Smith, who is uh, Health and Human Services CEO. All right, so Gage. Uh, the spokesperson for the uh, governor, Hot Dog Ricketts, they said they look for gender balance, geographic diversity, representation of immigrant communities, and diversity of age and vocation. Under the governor's longstanding policy, members of the media were not considered. This is what bothers me representation of immigrant communities, right? So if this is about black Americans, which is what I believe Justin Wayne meant when he introduced the bill. This is just, it, this whole commission is nothing but like there's only a couple of progressive black folks on there. The rest, you know, are very rugged individuals or coon trained members. So, like the nigga from Dunkin' Donuts, like, dog, you, like, what? Like I said, his picture is him with blue eyes. Right. This nigga is like a manager at Dunkin Donuts. Like, like, I just felt like he just felt he just hit the coon train big. You know what I'm saying? He just was like all aboard. You know, and he was, you know, he put on a good show. So nothing is going to be done by this commission. But I will tell you this with my heart and my soul on my life. I'm going to hold these people accountable And everybody here in Nebraska should too So as soon as they open up a hotline A request, an email Or something, I haven't seen any of that shit yet So as soon as they open that up You know, we got to be on that next just on their necks okay these are the issues that's happening this is this is what's going wrong so they should have had some people on that board like um the brother leo lewis who's the president of the malcolm x foundation the sister ashley spivey you know what i'm saying who runs Ivy black girl they should have you know some people who are really a part of the community and who be doing shit you know what i'm saying who's in and out this bitch but um you know, they were just, but that immigrant communities, representative immigrant communities, that's what really gets me because white folks ain't dumb. They know they're niggas, right? White folks know they're niggas, right? So they know that if you put these immigrants in here, along with foundational black Americans, ADOS, native black Americans, whatever you want to call it, the black folks were born and raised here from the soil, not anchor babies or anything like that they know that it's just going to be just circular talk that's all it's going to be just arguing ain't shit going to be done because you got three out of the 14 people here they ain't gonna give a fuck they ain't gonna give a fuck about you know issues pertaining to uh down north you know what i'm saying well shit i made it here i pulled myself up by the bootstraps even though you know black folks fought for your ass to get over here you know and getting these government handouts but hey okay bootstraps we hear you you know what i'm saying so it's going to be that logic that that rugged individualism right that high horse looking down you know because you not came from some immigrant country and you over here like oh well you should be thankful you know you can get a job and you got clean water you know what i'm saying as opposed to okay yeah i got that but we need equality we need equity that leads to equality You know what I'm saying? And so this whole thing is just a fucking joke. And they said a a total of 35 people uh, applied for the position on the commission. Um, Sister Spivey, Ashley Spivey, um, and she was talking about how um, it, it... The group includes several people aligned with the governor's views, several from the business world. And she said she was hoping that she would see a wider variety of people, including more young folks, which I definitely agree with, and uh, a representation of our LGBTQ brothers and sisters. And if they really wanted to go that route, they could have got Dom, you know, they could have got her into it, you know, if they wanted that LGBTQ representation, you know, so... You know what I mean? Justin Wayne ain't said shit about it. I mean, it is what it is, but it just seems like uh, it just seems like a gathering of the Coon Train. Like there's a couple real people on there, but it just looks like you know they're gonna be fighting an uphill battle. You know, so we just gotta be on them people's necks. That's why I say hold this L. Like it's just you know, this is another um, another um, how do I say this? This is another. Um symbolic gesture, you know, that actually started out in a real way, but it got tainted, if that makes sense, right? So the whole goal of this was to improve, you know, black folks' situation here in Nebraska, and now, you know, with the governor being able to appoint people to this commission, which is some bullshit, um, now it's just like, okay, well you have your committee. Well, the committee said this, but it's like you pick these people who align with your views and shit like that. So it's just gonna be a whole bunch of symbolism and a whole bunch of of, of, of rugged individualism. Well, you just gotta work harder. A lot of that pound cake logic, you know, that uh, Pill Cosby gave us. And yes, I said P P P Pill Cosby. So yeah, fuck that. Like, fuck this whole commission. But, like I said, I'm gonna be on them niggas next. I already got some shit drawn up on my MacBook. Get your mask. You win. Perfect. Alright, so, moving on to Not All Heroes Wear Capes. Um, we have to give it to all the fathers out there. I didn't have a chance to, uh, tell y'all Happy Father's Day. Um, hopefully y'all had a great day of, uh, grilling, cutting the grass, cutting up your kids' food, um fixing the lawnmower, you know, if you couldn't get it to start, uh, getting your oil changed or changing the oil yourself, uh, fixing the kitchen cabinet doors. Uh, hopefully you got some a, a great uh, glass, a, a, a beer pilsner glass, or maybe a mug or a pair of slides or um, something that'll help you do more work around the house, like maybe a tool belt, or a uh screwdriver um you know a new saw you know maybe a new chainsaw so you can finally cut down a couple trees in the backyard uh just something to make your life easier while you do the work around the house (laughs) no but shout out to all the dads out there um i had a pretty good father's day you know i'm a couple weeks late but it's all good and i know i love y'all you know i love all my uh, father's out there, and um, man, you know what's wild to me? Uh, I'm only I've only been a dad what 15 months, something like that. And um, what's crazy is the amount of other black fathers that I meet, like um, either through work or through my daughter's uh, daycare or on Facebook groups and shit like that. So I I just really think. That the agenda is always being pushed about black men not taking care of their seeds because I know so many. And then, you know, I go back and I look at how I grew up and how many black males in my community, you know, helped raise me up and put me on game and steered me in the right path and kept me out of, you know, gangs and shit like that. And, you know, kept me on the curb instead of out of the streets. Even though I had one foot in and one foot out, you know, hobnobbing and shit. And then so many of my friends growing up, they had their fathers, you know what I'm saying? And and, and so you, j- I just really can't buy into, especially now that I'm a father, I can't buy into that whole narrative about black men not taking care of their kids. Like my brothers, they take care of their kids. You know, my friends do. And like I said, men that I've met through uh, nini's uh, daycare or early childhood learning center and they had a mixer for all the dads but i i was working i didn't have a chance to go to it but it was kind of dope like uh, the daycare or the early childhood learning center i'm sorry early childhood learning center they um they put on a mixer for all the dads and stuff um to link up and you know just chop up game and stuff like that and it was on a thursday night which is one of my longest routes so i wasn't able to go but i've met so many cool dads black men you know and uh like i said do through, through different omaha facebook groups uh black dads and stuff like that and it's just like man there's really a narrative out there about black men being dead beats and it and it's just like that's not real life you know what I'm saying? Like if you actually go through and think about it, like think of all your friends, you know, even if you didn't have your dad growing up, like think of your friends who did have dads, you know what I'm saying? Or especially if you play like uh, sports and stuff, like we had all these team dads, all these black team dads. Like when I was growing up playing basketball, they'd be at all the games and stuff, giving us rides home, you know what I'm saying? If nobody could pick us up and stuff. So that's just that's fucking crazy. But still, shout out to all the dads out there and uh, don't believe the hype, you know, that, you know, you see all these people, you know, talking about deadbeat dads and shit like that. It's it's, it's a whole narrative because I just from my point of view and from other brothers who are taking care of their seeds is, you know, I just don't I don't I don't know a deadbeat daddy. I don't. I do not know a deadbeat daddy. That's my age and my group now older than me, absolutely. Some of them in my family, you know, but for the majority, like I'm talking about my age group, I should have been more specific. Um it just feels like a cycle is being broken. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it just feels like but most of the men that I know that are taking care of their seeds, they had their dads too, though. You know what I'm saying? But I don't know, it just seems like with my generation the millennials you know and gen xers is just a lot more you know hands-on inside the home taking care of their babies you know what i'm saying so you know i do know a few deadbeats, beats but for the for the majority it's you know it i i know fathers i know men handling their business doing what they can to keep the lights on keep the roof over their family head and keep their babies keep their little ones you know clothed clean and not wanting for anything and all their needs met and it's uh you know brothers really handling their business so i have to salute y'all out there like there's so many like i, I i'm like i'm really thinking about brothers that i know that are out here you know taking care of their seeds and i want to say you know i want to ramble off names and stuff as i'm looking through you know, my Facebook and, you know, my text messages and shit like that. Uh, but, you know, I ain't gonna put nobody on blast, you know, and shit like that. And um, but yeah, yeah. Shout out to them dads. And then also um, shout out to our city council uh, member for our district two, uh Juanita Johnson. She actually put together a task force um, to combat issues in the city, because right now it's getting hot you know kids acting a fool um omaha 360 is doing their thing on the streets but the city councilwoman she's out here in these streets too holding different events and she's actually put together a task force uh full of parents and uh community leaders and activists um to uh curb this um this this violence and uh this uh this uh this whole nonsensical movement that we got kind of going on it feels like we kind of regressing a little bit with uh since uh you know the covid restrictions are lifted you know what i'm saying like last summer the streets wasn't that wasn't hot at all it was only hot with uh protests and everybody being on the same page you know trying to combat uh systemic racism you know racism, white supremacy, and these unjust killings, right? And but this summer it just seems like you know these these knuckleheads trying to get back to normal, and they need some guidance. They need something to do. Um, There's been some some kids getting clapped and doing the clapping, and it's one of those things where it's just like these OGs ain't really you know OGs out here. They just they just fools. You know what I'm saying? A real OG. You know, got two feet in the streets, but he ain't grooming, you know, some little niggas to be doing this dusty shit like him. You know, he's just trying to teach them the game of life and not to move like they move like he moved. You know what I'm saying? That's how the ones that I had growing up when I used to be walking up to the corner store up there at F&L, which was Maple Street Grocery, you know, off of 40th and Maple or off of um, uh, uh, Bedford Ave you know, going to um, Bedford Market, you know what I'm saying, you had those those crips, those drug dealers who was just, you know, telling you, hey, yo, Adrian, how's school going, you know, shit like that, you still hooping, you know, we're gonna come by, you know, we're gonna get a game going on Saturday or something, we're gonna get a game going on Sunday, you know what I'm saying, see if that's cool with your mama, you know what I'm saying, and it'd be the craziest shit, you know, everybody come by my house to hoop, and niggas be out front drinking christian brothers like gatorade hooping with us like <laughs> like you'd be like what the fuck but it was always on some shit like you know just stay on your square keep keep hooping you know you know just you know just real respectful towards my mom dukes you know be asking hey talk to your mama see if you can get that bring that hoop upstairs and bring it outside you know so we can get busy on saturday or sunday or whatever you know so or we'd be running full court up at um adam center at the rec center and you know um they would just you know break you off some bread to you know go get a gatorade or some shit like that and um you know just chop it up with you you know just try to give you some life advice and shit like that and you know just it wasn't no grooming you know, there wasn't no, you know, you know, take this ride with me, you know what I'm saying, It wasn't no shit like that, so, I don't know, man, it just seems like the game is just real fucked up, it's been fucked up for a minute, and, you know, guys with two feet in the street, they really need to start curbing these babies, you know what I'm saying, putting them right back on the curb, pushing them towards the sidewalk, you know what I'm saying, but shout out to uh, Juanita, and, um, You know, uh, for putting together that task force, and uh, hopefully, we'll see some real change out here. All right, so moving on to the last segment of the show: health over wealth. You know what I say, without your health, you cannot enjoy your wealth. So, this isn't going to be a quote of any kind. I got to practice for the family out there. I really want you guys to practice the art of gratitude. Um, And the main thing I want you to practice is the gratefulness of the items, the life. That you're already living Being thankful for what you already have And I want you to start every single morning As soon as that alarm goes off or you just wake up on your own Don't check any social media Don't Do anything else But first just give thanks If you're not a religious person To give thanks to the Lord uh, Just thank yourself for all the hard work You put in to get to where you at And to be thankful for the job That you have be thankful for the money that you have coming in Be thankful for the car that you have That even if it just gets you from point A to point B Be thankful for the life that you have That you that you have, that you woke up There's actual life inside of you um, Be thankful for the food in your fridge Be thankful that the lights are on Be thankful, um, you know, that your water's running Be thankful for your kids Be thankful for your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, that special person in your life. Be thankful for your friends. Be thankful for your family and just be thankful for where you're at right now. And what that does, it puts you into a positive mindset for the start of the day. I've started uh, the art of gratefulness i started just that first act of being grateful for what i have i've been doing it for about two weeks now and my mood has just been through the roof you know i could just have the worst fucking day at work you know the, the night before you know it could be like a 13 14 hour run and i'm getting home you know super late it's after midnight you know i didn't been out and about on the road you know since 10 o'clock in the morning now i'm home at like midnight and you know it's one of those things where you just like fuck you know but that next morning i don't think about what happened last night i wake up I'm thankful. I've started thanking the most high. You know, if you call him God, Allah, whatever, Yahweh, whatever you want to call the man upstairs, the higher power, whatever you believe in, or if you believe that God is within you, um, you know, just thank yourself. You know, I've I've been just being really thankful. Like, I don't look at my phone. The first thing I, I do when I get up, you know, that alarm goes off. I just, you know, touch the front of my phone and then I'm just like, thank you. You know, and then I start thinking about everything that I'm grateful for. And that just puts me in this mode of being in a positive having a positive attitude but also me being present i'm not worried about the future i'm not regretting the past i'm just right here in the moment and it's just it's so peaceful i haven't had this amount of peace in my life um since i first moved into my own spot without any roommates like that first solo spot and that's That's well over, what, 10, 12, 13 years ago, you know, when I first moved into my first spot with no roommates and shit like that, I was just at peace, you know, with my little spot in the world, and with me practicing, it's just been a couple weeks I've been practicing, you know, the art, the art of uh, grateful, you know, gratefulness, and um, the art of gratitude, and it's just it's one of them things where it just really puts you at ease like with everything going on in the world it just it calms you down and like I said you don't regret the past and you don't worry about the future it puts you right there in the moment and what you need to be focused on like it, it feels like um, that post nut clarity, you know, after you you after you get some or you you beat your meat or you know you you flick the beam for the ladies out there and you know you don't have that sexual desire anymore. You just have that laser like focus. Like that's what the art of you know gratitude, that gratefulness in the morning puts you in. Like that. Okay, I know what I need to be focused on for the day. You know what I'm saying? You just you're not like I said, worried about the future or regretting the past. You know what I'm saying? You ain't on some oh shit! I was at work this goddamn late. Blah blah blah. It's like nope. You're just here. You're in this moment. Okay, I'm feeling grateful for this, 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 and this. Or even if it's just one thing. But it's just that small moment that just, you know, you start looking at shit a whole different way. You look at you look at life a whole different way. And like I said, you'll just be at peace, but you'll have a laser like focus. All right. So just make sure you practice that. Like I said, as soon as that alarm goes off or you wake up on your own, be thankful for what you have. And I gave you some examples of what you have you know what i'm saying even if it's just being thankful for you waking up to see another day because some folks don't wake up you know what i'm saying so be grateful be thankful and i'm telling you it's gonna put you in a mode that's just you know it's it's a beautiful thing all right but this has been episode 187 of do rags and boat shoes um i will have another episode up for y'all uh, next week um You know, I'm sorry about the the whole month being off and shit like that, but I just been living and loving life. You know what I'm saying? But I forgot about the family. And as always, I love y'all and I'll see y'all next week. Peace.